with the Detroit Pistons falling to number five in the NBA draft, there's so many prospects that they'll be able to choose from. And today we'll talk about Benedict Matherin. We'll have Bryce Simon from the Pistons Pulse to talk about why he could be the pick. Stay tuned in today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on our podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, or if you're one of the 50% of people who are watching this on YouTube and haven't hit that subscribe button, what are you waiting for? Go over to the YouTube channel, Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. We're on our road to 3,000 subscribers. I'd really appreciate it. Again, it's the best way to support the podcast. But let's go ahead and get this going. So, obviously, the Pistons have fallen to number five in the draft ladder. You guys got the live reaction. You guys have heard me, how sad I was, how disappointed I was. But now it's time to move past the disappointment, time to move past the sadness, and start talking about who could actually be drafted at the number five spot. And there's been a lot of talk. You got Keegan Murray, Jay and Ivy. Shaden Sharp, A.J. Griffin. But today we're going to talk about Benedict Mather, and we'll be sure to talk about all those other guys at some point in the future too before the draft. But today we're going to be talking about Benedict Mather, and from what I understand, we're going to have one of his biggest fans on the podcast today to break down some of his some of his games and his weaknesses and strengths. We're going to have Bryce Simon. You guys all know Bryce. Uh, oh, I just clicked the wrong one. What has happened? Oh, there you go. All right. We got Bryce back on. Bryce, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I was thinking about this. Uh, I really, really cherish the opportunities to come on with you now. I don't get to do it as much as I used to for, you know, a variety of reasons. So every time you ask me to come on, I get super excited and I cherish every second of it. So I'm excited to do this episode as as always and to talk about one of my favorite guys, Benedict Matherin. We, we all know, I, I think all of you guys know Bryce. Bryce, there was a point where Bryce was coming on damn near twice a week before before he ended up getting big and blowing up and getting his own podcast over at Pistons Pulse with the Detroit Free Press beat writer Omari Sankofa. That's been going great over there. They're doing great things. Make sure you guys are going and checking him out. And Omari, obviously, over at the Pistons Pulse podcast. Uh, Bryce, before we even stop about, talk about Benedict Matherin, just what was your reaction, man? Everyone knows what my reaction has been. I caused, <laughs> I, I ruffled a few feathers. I, I, pissed, I pissed some people off with how straight up I was about how mad I was. Just... How are you feeling when it when you saw them drop the five? I, I will say this, Koo. I, I was like, I me, I just gonna keep my my distance from Koo tonight. He's on one. He's worked up, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it alone for tonight. <laughs> I'll text him tomorrow morning, and we'll discuss it. L- listen, I was dis- disappointed. I was disappointed. I had sold myself on Chet, Jabari, Paolo. Those are you know arguments or debates or whatever. I'd done a lot of work on those guys for Detroit Bad Boys. I t- you know took a deep dive on two of the three. I still do. I truly believe this coup. I truly believe the Pistons can get an impact player at five. We're going to talk about one of them on this episode. I'm sure you're going to talk about the rest. I know you're planning on doing a shade and sharp one. He's another guy that's kind of a wild card. Keegan Murray, you know, not as exciting, but I do think there's a guy there. This is why Troy Weaver makes his money, right? This, this is going to be a draft where there's a guy there. He just has to find the right one. Fair enough. So, 
is Benedict Matherin the right one? Well, let's go ahead and get right into him now. So Benedict Matherin, and we're going to let Bryce. Bryce has done multiple deep dives on a lot of guys. Benedict Matherin is one of them. I'm going to respect how much Bryce is, how much work and time Bryce has put in. That's why we're having him on the show. I'm going to really let Bryce, I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions. I'm going to let him drive it from, from there. So Benedict Matherin, I'll give you guys a little bit of, 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 you know, basic stuff about him. He was a sophomore this past season, a wing from Arizona. He's six, four and a half without shoes. But today Bryce told me before, uh, before we started that, you know, we got the measurements with shoes and all that stuff at the combine. He is six, six with shoes, which I think that's all that matters. 205, average 17.3 points a game, 37% from damn near 38% from deep on pretty pretty good volume, 75% from the free throw line, 5.7 rebounds. And the ringer compares him to Jamal Crawford, Karis Levert, and shades of prime Victor Oladipo. So we're going to start off with this, Bryce. We're going to go his strengths, and then we'll go to his weaknesses, and then we'll talk about why he should be the pick over other guys. So let's go ahead and dive straight into his strengths. What is his main thing that draws you to Ben McMahon? What's the thing that you come away thinking instantly? I really like this kid. Okay, so I have three, but I'm going to answer it with just one. And it's not the one that jumps off the screen immediately that I kind of – it's his competitiveness, competitiveness and intensity. That's what I walked away from my film breakdown. Whenever I do my film breakdown, I pick five games throughout a season, one earlier in the year, three kind of in the middle, one at the end, and that way I can see improvement throughout the season. And I watch full games every second, all of that stuff. He is competitive. He is intense. He plays with an attitude and an energy. The only player I've evaluated, and you said, you know, I've done quite a few now, especially guys at the top, that I would say had more, especially on the defensive end, was probably Jabari Smith Jr. That that dude plays with a lot of intensity on the defensive end, and I know that's a sore subject right now. But that yeah. thing, I, I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm so <laughs> sorry. But I know he can also really shoot it, Q. But <laughs> that was actually who we were supposed to talk about for this, too. Yes, yeah, right. Okay, yes. Yeah. So Bryce said, let me just pause it right there. Me and, Bri- me and Bryce had scheduled for this episode last week, and we were supposed to be talking about Jabari Smith. <laughs> But then the lottery screwed us, so we had to we had to we had to take a detour for a second. But go ahead, finish up. I know. So no, it's the competitiveness and the intensity. He improved a lot. That's another thing. Ku, I really was impressed by. I know he was a sophomore, but he still was showing improvement from the beginning of the year to the end. And we'll talk about what areas you know in particular. And then he's a smooth, fluid athlete. He really is, man. Like he just glides on the floor. And I have a tendency to kind of fall in love with guys that are that fluid and that smooth, but it really shows and he gets stuff done with it as well. All right. So let's follow up with that. So do you view him? Let's ask some basic questions here at the next level. Do you see him as a two or a three? I think he's a two. I, I think he's tough enough and physical enough. He could play at the, the three at six, six, you know, maybe what did I, what did we look at? His standing reach was eight, eight, something like that. I need to pull yes. that back up. I think I said eight, eight. So, you know, a good wingspan there, especially when you kind of look at some of the other guys, I think he could hold up at the three. Um, but to me, he kind of is your prototypical two. All right. So his freshman year of college, he shot 41% from deep, but he was mostly just taking a lot of catch and shoot threes. This past season, he was asked to do a lot more with the ball in his hands. He shot 34.7% from deep off the bounce. Do you think that's something that can translate to the next level of something that he can, he'll be able to not only shoot threes off the bounce from beyond the arc, but potentially in between game? Is that something you believe that's something he's going to be able to bring in the NBA? 
Yeah, and I think that's what I'm saying whenever I kind of fall in love with the athlete that he is and the smoothness that he plays with. That stuff looks really good. Like, I think he's an on-the-move shooter, like, coming off a staggered screen. And then he elevates so high on his shot. Um, you know, one thing I've put in my notes is I wish he created more separation on his, like, his sidestep moves off the dribble and his step backs. But he jumps so high on his shot, and he shoots so well with the contest. He shot, I think it was like 35% on contested three-pointers this past season that it doesn't end up mattering. And so I think that's why I think that there's practical athleticism with it because he uses that athleticism to get shots off. All right, so what were some other positives that you think Pistons fans would love to hear about him? Yeah, so one thing, three things offensively that I think people would like that he can also bring. And I'm going to save the ball screen stuff for maybe areas to improve in segment two, even though I think it's there. But He's a really good offensive rebounder. I think he can be a really good offensive rebounder. One point, one and a half a game as a, as a guard. And that athleticism, all that stuff comes into play. He had a huge one against TCU. If you want to go find the clip at the end of that game in the NCAA tournament where he just out-toughed the other team um, in cuts, off-ball cuts, 1.4 points per possession. He knows when to cut. He's a twitchy athlete. And, and because he's a shooter, you have to overplay him. And then in transition, he was extremely efficient as well. So he's a guy that can, you know, provide a lot of different things, which I think helps raise his floor. You know what I'm saying? We'll talk about where the ceiling is and what has to improve to get there. But I think those things, you know, raise his floor. All right, fair enough. So the ringer has him and we'll move on to his, some of his weaknesses at the end, uh, moving on after this. But right now, the ringer has him at number 10 in their mock draft. I know the Pistons have number five. Where do you have him currently without spoiling whether you think the Pistons should choose him over some of these other guys? Do you think 10 is the right area for him? Or do you, are you actually feeling a little bit higher on him? I'm a little bit higher. I'll, I'll say, you know, without spoiling it too much, I don't have him at number five, but I do have him higher at 10. I, I you know, six, seven, eight, I have him more. But my, if I had tiers, six through 10, I think, or no, six through eight is all the same tier for me. And that's the tier he's in. All right, fair enough. And the last thing is, where do you view him at, at, as the next, at the next level? Do you see him as someone who is a, just a dynamic scorer with the ball in his hands? Like what, if the Pistons were to draft him, what do you see him doing for the team? I think he's like a true three and D and I know people with more upside. Let me, let me walk that back just a second. Cause I don't want to pigeonhole him into that. And that gives me the chance to talk about his defense. Um, we'll say off ball. Cause that'll be the next segment. I'm fully bought in on ball. This is what me got me excited about him. I talked about the competitiveness and the intensity. I watched him disrupt entire possessions in the Tennessee game that I watched, just on ball intensity. He's willing to get up and guard people. And we've seen that's something the Pistons do defensively. You know, like I think about him and Killian Hayes, and I don't think other teams' perimeter players would love seeing those two guys get up and guard them. And so he can fight through screens. So I know we want to talk about this at some point. If the Pistons decide they don't want to switch every single screen, yeah. he's a guy that will fight through screens on and off ball. He'll make multiple efforts. I think he can be disruptive. I'm fully bought into what this kid can do on the ball defensively. All right, fair enough. Do you see him stepping in and being a starter if the Pistons were to draft him? Yeah, I think, I think he can fill a role where he comes in and he starts right away. And I won't get into the fit because I know we're trying to save it. But I think he can start right away. That's the floor of what he can come in and do right away. And then, you know, talking about areas he can pr improve in just a second, that's where the upside, and then maybe you expand his role over years two, three, four, five down the road. 
Fair enough. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about some of his weaknesses and some things that he's going to have to work on to really excel at the next level. Stay tuned for that. But first, I had to tell you guys a little bit about your guys' favorite sponsor, Built Bar. I love brownies, but you know what I love more? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half the batter just while I'm making the brownies. Imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula clean and get some protein in. You're in luck because Built Bar now has a new creation, and this one is better than ever. The Brownie Batter Puff. You've heard me right. This puff bar takes protein bars to a whole new level, and they're available right now at Built.com. Have you guys ever tried the Puffs Built Bar yet? I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Puffs are a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. That's right, delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. With only 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar, Brownie Batter Puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. Again, all all Built Puff Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Brownie Batter Puffs will have you completely forgetting that you are eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. So go to Built.com to get the Brownie Batter Puffs now. Again, go to Built.com, but this time use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. And Built.com, they have more flavors than just a brownie batter puff. They have peanut butter. You guys know that's my favorite. They got coconut, cherry barcia, strawberry, raspberry, all kinds of flavors. But I can't tell you for sure that brownie batter will be here tomorrow. It's a limited time flavor. So make sure, again, you go into Built.com to check out the brownie batter puff now. That's Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar ever. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to our YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast on the road to 3,000 subscribers. Continuing to show Lockdown that we are the best and fastest growing fan base at the Lockdown Network. So again, Lockdown Pistons YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. All right, Bryce. Some of his weaknesses. I, I can tell that you, you really like him. I, I really can't wait to get to the third segment to talk about how he would fit with the Pistons and wh- all, all those kind of things and why he should be the pick over other guys. But, of course, it's not all sunshine and rainbows with all these prospects. What are some negatives about this kid that he's going to have – that he struggles with right now and is going to have to improve on at the next level? Yeah, so let's just stay with the defense since that's where we left off. His off-ball awareness has some work to be – you know, some some work to be done – especially with shooters. And I've been a little bit of critical of this with Cade Cunningham, like getting a little ball watchy, getting too far away from shooters, leaving shooters open. And Benedict Matherin does that. He absolutely does that off the ball. He gets ball watchy. There was a couple clips in the NCAA tournament where he gets beat, like he just gets too far away from his man who's a shooter and the kid knocks it down. So he is definitely going to have to improve off the ball. I, I You see some good clips like where he tags the roll man and it looks good. And then there's some where he just completely blows it. So as a sophomore in college, it's not like he was a freshman. You would expect that stuff to have been a little bit better. I don't think it's like a care thing. It's just the awareness and the defensive IQ in terms of off the ball. Fair enough. So I'm reading. So before we started this, I've read some of the one of my go to sites that I, that, that I read up on to get like a, ba- a very basic level. Obviously, it doesn't give you everything, but it gives you kind of like the I believe the best basic level knowledge on a prospect is the ringers mock draft. It's the big board by Kevin O'Connor. Uh, and one of the things that he talks about in here, he compare he says he talks about him as a playmaker and. He said he's not a great playmaker, but he's a solid playmaker who can be enhanced by a better playmaker or a better player, such as Jamal Murray to Nikola Jokic. Do you think that he's this is something he's going to, have to improve on at the next level? Is he able to 
be a main ball handler for a squad, whether that's the first squad or the second squad when Cade sits out, or is that something that he's going to have to get better at learning how to run an offense and control tempo, et cetera, et cetera. No, I don't think that's something he's going to do year one. I think he absolutely is better playing off ball, be a secondary creator. Now, he got so much better, and this is where I'm talking about the improvement throughout the season. The first two games I watched of him, I barely saw him in ball screen stuff as the handler, and it didn't look very good when he was doing it. By the end, I'm like, wow, this has gotten a whole lot better, and not just scoring for himself, where he wasn't super efficient as this, just in terms of his scoring. But the passing got so much better, and he started to showcase that a lot more. And in his interview today at the Combine, I believe James Edwards got the quote that he said he, and he, he was very politically correct about how he said it. He didn't throw Arizona under the bus or his coach under the bus. He just said, within our system, I wasn't asked to do that very much, but I think it's something I can do more. I do think he has to improve upon it, but I think he has a lot of secondary abilities to do those things. Right, so we talked about him. You you said he's kind of like a 3 and D guy that has a higher ceiling. That's capable of doing more. You talked about his outside shooting, him as a fluid athlete offensively. What's some areas offensively along with that that you think he needs to improve on? Yeah, I think the mid-range is a little bit of a struggle right now. I don't think he's super great in the mid-range. Um, again, like it, it's weird because every time he took a shot in the mid-range, I was like, oh, that looks good, and then he'd miss it. You know, like he has this little floater. It looks really pure. The elevation, again, in the mid-range is there. Like it all should be there, but the, the numbers weren't there, or at least the film wasn't there whenever I watched. And then I think just in general, the handle has to get better. He has to get tighter with the handle. That's, you know, that kind of goes a little bit with the ball handling, ball screen stuff, but it definitely has to improve. And then I wouldn't mind the finishing package to get a little bit better, you know, just a little more ability to finish around. The, he's an explosive athlete. Like if you want to get excited, go watch the TCU game. He puts one down on a, on a cut that is really, really impressive. Um, but he didn't always go to that. So there's definitely improvements. I don't want to sugarcoat this like he's a, you know, ready-made, you know, prospect. Obviously he's not, or he wouldn't be, you know, you know, available at number five, but I like the floor and I think the ceiling's higher. I think where I disagree with people, Ku, is I think the ceiling is higher than a lot of other people do. Fair enough. So obviously the Pistons fell to fifth and it was very disappointing for me. Uh, and one of the things that, I've talked about I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. Obviously, I talked about it a lot on the live stream we did at, right after the podcast or after the lottery happened, and I've talked about it a lot on Twitter. Is and I'll let you. I'm going to tie it back into Benedict Matherin, but uh, the thing that disappointed me the most was the fact that the Pistons lost and have, if you want to be just straight up bland, sucked for two years now to get chances at top tier prospects, to get chances at blue chip prospects. They got one, obviously, the best one last year in Kay Cunningham. And this year, I feel like the Pistons really needed to get another blue chip type of prospect because, I'm, in my opinion, I'm tired of seeing the Pistons just have okay, nice players, but never having like the great players. And they get stuck in that area that they were stuck in with Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson. And heck, even when Blake came over, Blake was a superstar, but he didn't have enough anything around them to do anything about. It. So I, I want the Pistons to be able to have multiple prospects that could turn into something. Doesn't mean they have to, but they could have the chance to turn into something. So now my question to you with Benedict Matherin is, and you're kind of, I, I should kind of tie this into Keegan Murray as well. Because some of the negatives, and we'll eventually talk about Keegan Murray on the podcast, but some of the things I've read about Keegan Murray and some of the things I've heard about him, by the way, guys, we'll talk about him next week with Ant Wright. 
Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys know who that is. But a lot of things I've heard about Keegan Murray is that, yeah, he's a he's a nice player, but his ceiling is 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 kind of capped. Pe- people don't know if he has a real real ceiling, and that's frustrating for me. I that that's I'm not saying he won't be a good player in the NBA. He may, he may very well be, but that kind of thing is frustrating to me because this is what the Pistons want someone with that has a different different difference maker type of ability chance doesn't mean they have to do it but they have a chance to reach it bandic Matherin, do you think he has a chance to reach that kind of level to where maybe he doesn't do it but he has the ceiling to where you could see it he has the ability to be one of those blue chip prospects one of those top tier guys in your team that be a difference maker for a team i do and I, again i think that's where i'm different than other people everybody loves to throw out the contavious caldwell pope comparison with benedict Matherin. that's their favorite one and i've even had people tell me like hey that's that's fine like if you get you know kcp he's a good player he's a starting nba guard and i'm like well if i'm only getting kcp then i would rather take my shot with Shaden sharp or Jaden ivy and the reason i'm comfortable putting benedict Matherin in the conversation with those guys is those guys' ceiling is still higher than Benedict Matherin's. I think it'd be crazy to suggest otherwise. I think Benedict Math. I like the Victor Oladipo. Like, just as you say that, like, the more I think about it, I kind of like that prime Victor Oladipo before the injuries and everything else. I kind of like that one. And so, yeah, I think I think there's a multi, all, multi-time multi all-star in Benedict Matherin. I think there's a guy that could average 20 points a game for multiple years in his career with Benedict Matherin. And that's not a ceiling I see with a guy like Keegan Murray. All right, fair enough. Uh, there's multiple questions I want to ask you, but I think that kind of, this kind of ties in to a fit, uh, which we want to talk about in the last segment. So I'll give you a last chance here. Is there anything else negative-wise, any other improvements that you feel like Pistons fans – should know about this guy before they get too high or too low on him. No, man, I feel like we covered it. I do want to like the mid range left something to be desired and the handle definitely has to get tighter, but I feel like we covered it. I feel like, you know, I didn't sugarcoat it too much with the positives. I don't think. And I think I laid out the negatives or the things that he definitely has to improve on um, justly for him. All right. Fair enough. When we come back, we'll talk about his fit with the Detroit Pistons and why, if you are a supporter of Benedict Matherin at five, why should you take him over Shane Sharp, potentially Jay and Ivy, Keegan Murray, A.J. Griffin? Why why Matherin over these guys? We'll talk about that in the final segment of today's episode. But first, I have to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, BetOnline.net. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for our betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for our sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about their trends and action today. And if you head over to the website right now, you'll see that they have, again, more than just basketball and baseball. They have boxing, golf, hockey, horse racing, martial arts, soccer, and tennis. And you head over to the NBA series we're in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals now. Listen, let me just tell you guys this. I understand I haven't been great with the money lines here, okay? I have, I've been giving you guys suggestions for weeks now at BetOnline.net, but I haven't been that great with it. But I feel very confident about this one. The Warriors are now at minus 400 to win this series against the Dallas Mavericks. I'm taking that. I feel very confident about that. However, I can understand why some of you guys would feel a little bit risky and want to take the plus 320 on Luka, who has proven that he can come back from devastating losses like game one and win a series a la phoenix sun so i would say take the minus 400 money line with the warriors on the series but 
do what you want to do. That's the kind of thing you can do, though, over at BetOnline.net. Again, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. You guys get the deal on a roll of 3,000 subscribers, all that good stuff. Um, two things real quick before we get started. One, I'm going to say happy birthday to my fiance, Megan. Uh, so let me let me tell you guys a little something real quick. So technically, by the time you guys listen to it, it will be a day after her birthday. So we're out today. And she says to me, you know, Koo, I listen to your podcast every single day. And when I woke up on my birthday to go to work, I really oh, was expecting. I was, yeah, exactly. I was really, I was really expecting to say to see you say, "Oh, and today is my fiance's birthday, so we gotta say happy birthday to her." Blah blah. Everyone say happy birthday to her. But my excuse to her was, "Listen, it wasn't your birthday yet, so I wasn't thinking about saying happy birthday." So, as I'm recording this right now, it's still her birthday. Everyone, go in the comment section down below. Tell Megan happy birthday. Just joined the 24 club. She's feeling old. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, that's the first thing. <laughs> you, you 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 paid for a lot more expensive dinner tonight than what you had planned oh, no, after, oh, after, no. after, after that mistake. You, oh, no, trust it, me. We, we, let me just say You're going to be buying another a, puppy after that mistake. <laughs> we, we had a dinner today for her birthday. And I'll tell you this. It was definitely expensive. It was, it was expensive. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Uh, but the second thing. Second thing I wanted to say, Bryce, do you agree with me, man? Do you think the Warriors are going to beat the beat the yes. Mavericks? Just real quick. Yeah, okay. I got the I got the Warriors winning it all. Like I, I've said this before, I, I feel like I'm not right about a whole lot of stuff, but I picked the Warriors as a dark horse NBA champion preseason. Like, hey, the, these guys are going to get healthy. It's gonna they're going to be good, and so I'm just going to continue to roll with it. And we've talked about this. I love Steph Curry. I I, I will say this. I really like Luka Doncic too. He was incredible in that Phoenix series. That was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I, I hope Golden State wins it. These playoffs have been amazing. I've been telling you guys on the podcast, obviously you want to do your, do your stuff with the prospects and stay tuned with the Pistons off season, but these NBA playoffs, man, don't miss out on this. This has been some incredible, incredible play we're seeing. So Boston is blowing Miami out. Oh uh, yeah, I know. This the, I was like, what is going on? And, hey, listen, I don't mind it. Cause my wife has a huge crush on Jimmy Butler. So anytime he loses <laughs> and like whatever, then I'm all for it. But man, it, it's just been, it's been crazy. Hey man, the blowouts, a team will get blown out. And they come out the next game and win. It's, it's crazy what's going on. But anyways, let's get back into Benedict Matherin. Okay. So Bryce, if the Pistons were to draft Benedict Matherin, what's his? Let's let's dive even further into what his fit is. What's he addressing on this team? What what are some needs that the Pistons have that he's coming in and he's addressing? He's helping as soon as he gets to the team. Okay, so my in my opinion, I think I buy the three point shooting. It was actually better as a freshman than it was as a sophomore. But there's probably a little bit more with the contest, even though we did it well off the dribble, all that stuff. So I don't worry about the shot at all. It looks good. So I think shooting, which I think we all would agree is something the Pistons need, and on-ball perimeter defense, which I love. Like, I love the fact that Cade wouldn't have to guard the other team's best perimeter player on the defensive end. So I use in-stat coup. Like, I've, I've got access to that. I've talked to you a little bit about it. You know, guarding pick-and-roll handler, 0.55 points per possession, less than a point per possession when he's guarding catch and drives, less than a point per possession in isolations. So like when he's guarding on the ball, according to those, and I know defensive metrics don't always tell the whole story, but it matches with the tape. I think he's really good on the defensive end. I know I've talked about it. So I think those are the two things, shooting on ball defense. Fair enough. Okay. So 
just to buffer your point offense about his shooting real quick, the ringer has it right here. Um, he shot 41.8% from three as a, as a, as a freshman. And yep. then as a sophomore, he hit 38.3% of his catch and shoot triples, but he just, he raised a lot of his volume with more, you know, uh, coming off screen dribbles, all that. So it looks like that, at least the numbers say that the catch and shooting should definitely translate to the NBA level. Um, this is a question I have for you, Bryce. Once the Pistons fell to five, obviously we're going to say it again. I was very furious. I was, I was, I was heartbroken. I, I, was, I was, I was, I was down, dude. I, I was, I, I can't remember a time I've been, I've been that down the dumps in a minute, dude. It was. It's tough. a good thing Megan's birthday wasn't on Tuesday, man. That would have oh, been a no, roller. Dude. That would have been a roller coaster. <laughs> she, it would have been tough, dude. I, I don't know if I would have been able to fake it for her, but, but, but okay. So one of my things with falling the five now that I've, I've come to come to grips on, and I want to have. At least for me, this is not what everyone's. It may not be what Troy Weaver is looking for, even though I think some part of him probably is. For me, I'm looking for a guy. Basically, I want to be able to draft somebody. I think I'll be able to run a trio of Cade, Killian, and whoever this pick is. I want to be able to run that trio. Because I really do believe in Killian still. I'm a big Killian guy. Everyone knows that. But I think Killian showed enough last year, especially towards the end, that he can – a lot of times, even when he came off the bench – Dwayne Casey still wanted to close with him because of how he can control an offense and get up in the guys defensively, etc. So I think they want to, at least this is my opinion, I think they want to find a lineup that has him in there with him, Cade, and whoever this draft pick is, along with maybe Sadiq at the four and whoever at the five, whether it's Isaiah Stewart or a pickup in free agency. My thing is, can Benedict Matherin do that? See, I'm looking at some of these wings recently. We're going to talk about them on the podcast, Keegan Murray, A.J. Griffin, some of these bigger guys that I feel like, okay, I think we could do that with those guys. Benedict Matherin, do you think they can do that three guards or I guess, you, yeah, three guards set with a Sadiq Bay and whoever at center if that if, if, if they wanted to do so? Oh, you're saying put them all on the floor together. Correct. Um, yeah. Yes, I think you can. I, I think you can. I, I guess I was thinking more you're going to go with, does that still leave minutes for – Killing, I think Jaden Ivey is a tough fit for Killian Hayes. Like that, that's that would be interesting. Um, yeah, I think I think I think Benedict Matherin's tough enough, strong enough, intense enough that he can scale down or up whichever weight to the three and and play some minutes. So I think you could play some minutes there. I don't think you're going to play a lot of minutes there. You know, one he did average almost four and a half defensive rebounds a game. So I think you look at that lineup and it's like. Do you have the rebounding? Do you have the size? Well, Cade's a good rebounder. Killian can be a good rebounder. Sadiq can be a good rebounder. And Matherin definitely has the athleticism to do it. So I think depending on what the other team had in terms of size, I think you could run that lineup out. But I guess what I was saying, I also love Benedict Matherin playing with Killian Hayes. You know, like if, you know, depending on how the minutes were staggered, you know, just him and Killian in the backcourt, I think fits really well together also because he's not going to demand the ball. Fair enough. And I, I let me just let me just ask you this too. I, I know everyone knows that I'm big on Killian Hayes. Is that something? Do you feel like that's something that maybe the front office is looking at too? The ability to run three guys out there and close with one, one of them, or do you think that's more? And be be straight up if you want to say it. I, I I'm open to admitting that it might be some of my bias, but for me, I do. I, that's something that I am looking forward to do. I want to be able to run lineups with that are switchable with. Killian Cade, another switchable defender there with Sadiq and another guy at the five who's able to either switch or you know hold himself hold his own. I was really interested by a lineup like that. So do you think that's something that they could be targeting or wanting to have uh versatility with, or do you think that's more my bias coming through there? 
I think it's definitely something that they would want to do. It's something I would want to do. I don't know that it impacts where, where they draft or what they drafted this position. I don't know that any of the guys other than Jaden Ivey, I do think Jaden Ivey could be problematic for Killian Hayes. Other than that, I think everybody else fits in seamlessly. But I want to see another year from Killian. He, hopefully he gets a whole offseason working on what he needs to, and he's going to get to play 82 games, healthy, knock on wood, all of that stuff. I, I think you got to give him another year to really see what's there. And you're right. Even when he came off the bench, he finished a lot of games. I, I love that role for Killian. Second unit point guard for most of the game. But yeah, if you can have a lineup, if this guy can fit in with him and Cade and you know two other guys to be a closing lineup, I like that a lot. That's going to be, if it's Benedict Matherin, I, I said it earlier, I love the idea of him and Killian Hayes guarding out on the perimeter. And I think that would be frustrating for other teams. All right, so go ahead and give the argument now. You're a big Benedict Matherin guy. We got big Kate, Keegan Murray fans in the Pistons community. We got big Shaden Sharp guys, Jay and Ivy guys. Uh, I don't think I've seen actually that many AJ Griffin guys, even though I, I I believe I forget who it was that actually projected the Pistons to draft him right I saw after that. The, yeah, yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, I don't I forget who it was, but those are the guys that, that are there at five. Why Benedict Matherin over these guys? If you had to make an argument for him over Shane Sharp, uh Keegan Murray, all these guys, who why, what's your argument for him over them? So as I've thought about this more and more. I could make an argument that Benedict Matherin is the safest pick at number five over Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp, and then also has more upside than Keegan Murray. And because of that, you're getting the best of both worlds. You're, you're getting a sure thing, which is something that I think a lot of people would agree that Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp aren't. The, the, the floors can be pretty low with those things. I shouldn't say sure thing. No, no, nothing's a sure thing. But, you know, a more of a sure thing than those two. And then if you compare them to Keegan Murray, there's more of an upside than what Keegan Murray offers. All right, so I'm, 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 I'm going to kind of, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this, and you tell me if this is basically what you're saying. I don't want to misquote you or, or go along with this. Are you saying that Benedict Matherin is the one prospect to you that is a safe pick that also gives you upside as well? Like there's some guys that give you that safe pick, but don't give you upside. He's the one guy that can give you a safe pick while also maintaining that chance of an upside. That's why I've fallen in love with him. I think at the very minimum coup, he shoots it well and he guards the crap out of the ball on ball at the very minimum. And I think that's very valuable. Maybe it's not number five value, but it's very valuable. And then I also think if the ball handling comes around, if the movement shooting, if the off the dribble shooting and the off ball defensive awareness comes, then you have a multi-time all-star on your hands. All right. Fair enough. So we're at 35 minutes. I kind of want to segue this into a different, I, I kind of want to ask you overall about this draft real quick, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. So again, I, I'm not going to stop pointing it out. They fell the fifth. They had the third highest odds. Um, do you still feel confident now? I, I listen, I've tried my hardest over the last three days. I believe it's been so far two days to try to be positive and try to find a silver lining. Do you believe removing all bias and trying to be as objective as possible? Do you believe that there is still a possibility in this draft with one of these prospects that you can see them still being able to get a difference maker to the level of what they would have gone at the top three at five. Now, do you think that's still a chance or should you think, or do you, cause this is my thing. I don't want the Pistons to draft someone and Pistons fans come out with way too high expectations of these guys because of what happened this passing, what they're, 
because they tanked this past season. They want that's the point of it. Sure. Now they are five. I don't want this guy to come in with two crazy expectations. And now, no matter what he does, he'll never match those kind of expectations. Do you think that there's any there's any chance they could get someone that could do that for them? And do you think Pistons fans, yes, you can get a good player, but you should probably try to keep it easy. No, I truly believe it. I think they can really find an impact player at number five. I think there's four guys that are on my radar that I, I would put in the pack. And that is the four guys we've mentioned over and over and over on this episode. And, you know, Troy Weaver and his staff is way smarter than me. They do way more work than me. And so we just have to trust that they make the right decision. I love Benedict Matherin. Maybe it's Shaden Sharp. Maybe it's Jaden Ivey. Maybe it's Keegan Murray. And so I believe one of those four is going to be a very, very impactful player in the NBA. And, you know, especially with Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp, the absolute ceilings. I'm not saying that the percentage is very high, but the absolute ceilings on those two coup could be as high as anybody in this draft class. Anybody, even the top three. Those guys, absolute ceilings. And it may only be a 5% chance, but it's probably higher than or just as high as anybody else. All right, let's have a little fun with this question I'm going to ask you. So at five, you have four guys there. You have Shane Sharp, you have Jane Ivey, you have Benedict Matherin, and you have Keegan Murray. Which of those four guys would scares you the most? In Bryce Simon's opinion. Which, Shane Sharp. Which, Shane Sharp. He's the one that he scares you? And, and here's why. I've done – I've watched – Hours of film on Jaden Ivey. I've watched hours of film on Benedict Mathurin. I've watched hours of film on Keegan Murray and done breakdowns. And all I've watched of Shane Sharp is YouTube clips and Twitter. And like, and you can get stuff from that, but like, I just can't say anything with confidence on Shaden Sharp. I love the idea of Shaden Sharp. I just don't know if that's realistic or not of who he's going to be. It all terrifies right, me. On. It would terrify me. But I would be excited about it, Koo. If they take him, I'm going to be excited about it. I, I'm, I'll try to build it up like he's going to be a star. I, the next one would be Jaden Ivey. Um, and, and I'm higher on Jaden Ivey after my breakdown, and I actually think he can play with Cade Cunningham and fit nicely there. Um, but there's a world where it doesn't go great for Jaden Ivey as well. All right, fair enough. I keep saying last question, but this one, you keep giving me like fun questions to ask you. So I'm this, ask what you we, more. this is what we do. The, the, the yeah. listeners don't expect anything different. Let me ask you one more fun question then. What's the one if you had to pick one prospect that is like in that actually has a chance of being drafted five? Who do you outside of Shane Sharp? Who's the one guy that you'd say if you, in Bryce Simon's opinion, stay away from him? Don't do it. Just don't even take the chance with him. Stay away. Is it AJ Griffin? I see a lot of Pistons fans feel that way. Okay. By him. If if we knew the medicals, so here's what I'll say: not knowing the medicals, it's AJ Griffin. And it's because I just don't believe in the athleticism of A.J. Griffin. He's a great shooter. He's a great shooter. He's not a very good on-ball defender. And I would take him at the end of the lottery before I would take him at number five. Unless you could tell me with certainty that the athleticism that people talk about him having is going to come back and was a result of the injuries, but it's going to be there in 12. Even if you tell me it's going to be there in 18 months. If you can tell me it's going to come back, then I would put him in, a, in you know the, this number five conversation. If you can't guarantee me that, I, I just don't have the same confidence in his upside and what he can become. 
All right, fair enough. We'll wrap it up right there because I, I I keep coming up with more fun questions, but we're already at forty minutes, so I don't want I don't want to go too crazy. Sorry, here. locked on. Sorry, locked on. <laughs> we're all good. We're all good. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's obviously always a lot of fun when we have Bryce on the show. Uh, I'm sure we'll have him on at least one more time before the lot or not the lot before the actual draft takes place. Here's your guys' argument for Benedict Matherin. This is your guys's deep dive into him let me know what you guys think about him in the comment section down below if you guys feel like bryce swayed you guys over to the benedict matherin side let me know again in the comment section down below or over on twitter make sure you guys go on and checking out bryce on twitter at motor city hoops make sure you're checking out his podcast at pistons false uh bryce thank you for coming on man you know i appreciate you coming on all the time always have a lot of fun with you man um Absolutely. hopefully we have you on at some point before the draft we're going to try to get you on before then we'll try to make something work there uh, but again, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you guys are making Lockdown NBA your second listen of every day from the first jump ball of the playing tournament to the last possession of the finals. Lockdown experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Until the next one, next week, we got a jam-packed week. I'm going to have like three of these episodes recorded this weekend with guests. It's going to be jam-packed. We're talking draft all week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned. But until then, I'll see you guys later. Make sure you guys are checking out Bryce over at Motor City Hoops and the Pistons Pulse. Until Monday, I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody.